0: All right, Ms. Brianna, how are you today?
1: I am doing well, it is very cold in Austin.
0: Austin, I know so many people in Austin, Texas. I swear, I could like be there right now.
1: They're all flocking here, as they should, come flock here.
0: <laughs> big big shout out to Austin, Texas. Actually, my guest on Tuesday is also in Austin, Longtime friend, so he would say the same thing, I think. Nice. So you are not from Austin, I know this. And no. New York is the home place, right? Where in New York?
1: Um uh, so I was born and raised in upstate New York. Um and I spent a bit of time in Brooklyn um, and Long Island, but home to me is upstate towards Albany, New York.
0: Okay, like okay everyone, the capital of New York. Just remember that everyone. It's
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <That's laughs> but things it's
0: like New York City like no, it's it's Albany. Um, so tell me about the beginning of your life there. What was life like growing up there?
1: Yeah, life was, uh, in one word, I would say chaotic. Mm. Um, so I come from a very humble upbringing. Um, and I didn't really realize how little money we had until I realized what money meant. Um, Mm. so I come from a single mom of five. My dad is an addict and although he's in been in recovery for over 25 years. Growing up, uh, I was I like to tell people, I guess I was born into chaos and, mm. and and conflict. And my parents separated when I was very little, about seven or eight. And I don't think they finalized their divorce until I was 17. Whoa. Um yeah. Whoa. And story has it that the last three years of divorce was over some kind of album or something. So An album? <laughs> <laughs> I that's what the story how the story goes. Who knows how accurate that is. But, but who knows? Parents are weird. Parents are weird. Um, relationships are weird. But yeah, so I, I grew up one of five. I'm the fourth of, of five. And I feel like four number four is the worst number if you're mm. out of five kids, because you're not the middle, you're not the oldest, you're not the baby you don't really have a place. And I think that's where my personality got developed of, I'm going to be bright and bold and um, in your face and an achiever uh, because I had to find who I actually was versus fitting this like societal mold. Um, And so, yeah, I, I loved athletics. I hated school. Um, but I was a really great athlete and spent a lot of my time, uh, on some sort of field somewhere.
0: Yeah. Oh man. So how was the relationship between your siblings with the divorce? I mean, this long-term 10, almost 10 year gap, how did that affect you you guys?
1: You know what? It's so interesting because I felt like we grew up very close and I felt like I had an extremely bonded, strong relationship with all of my siblings, until I realized that I was a codependent, or I am a codependent. I'm a people pleaser. And so once I had this epiphany of this is no way to live, and I started setting boundaries is when my rela- most of my relationships with my siblings crumbled. Mm. <laughs> um, and so, you know, growing up and into my 20s, I would have said, oh, we had a great relationship. Uh, but really, it was very one sided. And now I'm close with a couple of them, but like sticking to my boundaries, not people pleasing. And unfortunately I look at us now in our thirties and forties, and it's just not a strong Mm. like, relationship with, with anybody and not just me and somebody, but like all of us. Um, and so you don't really realize the long-term effects of divorce, probably until you have your own children and get married and realize that. Certain behaviors are not acceptable. So, yeah, it's how kind you of a feel thing.
0: about that, like your current relationship with your siblings and how that's affected you throughout your life.
1: Yeah, I mean, I feel like that's what I need. And I think that's probably the most important. Like, if, if you're a codependent, you're a people pleaser. And it's interesting, a lot of people think codependent needs that in order to survive, you're dependent on somebody. And that's actually not what it means at all. It, it's, Um, it's a super interesting, uh, I guess, science, behavioral science behind Mm -hmm. it uh, that happens when you're a child. Uh, And it's very parent-child related, but ultimately, like, you sacrifice yourself, um, you want to people please, you avoid conflict, you um, do, do all these things. And I think I feel really good about it because I know that having a relationship at this moment with certain siblings means I am sacrificing my physical, mental, emotional well-being. Yeah. And I, I need to put myself first. And I always say like the door is always open. I am totally ready to have a relationship and, and have one, but it, it needs to be one that is like loving and accepting and non judgmental and, um, you know, it, it can't be this like weird gaslighting blame game <laughs> <No>. relationship. <laughs> no. No. It has to be a nurture. It has to have nurture components to it. And so I feel very good about where I currently yeah. am, um, but I can't speak for that.
0: So how have you speaking about, ba- I was just talking to somebody about having proper boundaries with other people, especially families. Yeah. How is that grown in your life? Like, how have you implemented these boundaries? in, let's say business and your personal life as you've gotten older?
1: Yeah, I uh, used to not have any boundaries. Mm. I didn't even know what a boundary was. Um, I thought that I was this like, super independent, like assertive woman. And it really wasn't until my divorce, that I realized that, wow, I have no boundaries. I let people walk all over me. I'm constantly people pleasing and doing what's best for them at the sacrifice of myself. And it took a lot of work, like a lot of therapy, (laughs) a lot of hours figuring out like, what is important to me? What are my morals? What am I willing to do for other people? and finding that gray area because boundaries are not necessarily all black and white. Yeah. Um, like you could be like, okay, very simple boundary. Like I am going to surround myself with people who show up on time. Okay, super
0: right. easy boundary. Right.
1: Okay, well, what happens when, if your friend's child gets sick in the car and she has to pull over and clean the car, are you going to be like, no more for you? <laughs> like we're done because you showed up late. <laughs> And so I really had to figure out like what are what are the things that are most important to me and and make the conclusions on that. And the biggest one that I have um, that I have stuck very true to is the way that people communicate to me. And it sounds very simple, but I I'm I have a very hard boundary of I believe communication no matter when you're angry or passionate can be like this. It can sound like this. It can feel like this. And when it gets aggressive and when it escalates, then I say, Nope, we're not communicating because that's not hel- That's not a healthy mode yeah. of communication. And I, and I do that in my personal life and especially at work.
0: Yeah. So Tell me about kind of your work-life journey. I mean, you're incorporating all these kind of personal things. You've gone improving yourself. How did that kind of start melding with your work-life? Or were you two different people in work initially? Or were you trying to work, your, work through this while you're building business?
1: Yeah, you know, it's interesting sometimes when you get um, like celebrity performers and they get on the stage, they say they're a different person. Mm-hmm. And I felt that way for work. I felt like for work, I had like a different personality. Um, yeah. It was like this boss bitch personality, <laughs> uh, this badass whatever. Mm-hmm. And um, but but I wasn't doing that everywhere in my life. Mm-hmm. And so, in terms of work, because I've I've owned and I've sold um, two companies now, I've started a third company. Um, I help other companies get their companies acquired, and so when you, when you look at someone like that, you don't think that they've got boundary issues or they're people pleasers.
0: Yeah. And
1: so I think what I really did was take the characteristics and traits that were important and helped me succeed at work, and integrate them into my everyday life.
0: It's interesting you say this because obviously we're in a culture where there's everybody's kind of climbing for something especially through the Internet. How have you navigated that and understanding, like, what's real and what's not real? And the people because you, you're talking about these kind of two different people. How do you source that with other people to see? Am I talking to the real person? Or is this just like a mirage of who they want? I, they think they want me to be, you know?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think one hundred percent social media encourages people to be somebody who they're not and express mm. to the world, somebody who they're not. Um, and I think that's why I started my podcast on honestly, like Badass Basic Bitch. I started that because I wanted to show the vulnerability that happens behind the scenes, the talking about my two decade long struggle with an eating disorder where, yeah. you know, it's, it was to me, it felt hidden. And it felt shameful. And so I think I've taken a lot of those for me personally. And I'm just like, this is me. Um, Yeah, I'm not saying that's for everybody. But I do think it's super important to just not continuously have the highlight reel. (laughs) And I do think for true people like, okay, someone that you just meet for a 30 minute conversation, what do you who do you what do you really care if they're a mirage, right? They're not. They're not someone who is in your day to day that's impacting you, unless you let them. Um, and so I think the the true marker is is like people will show you who they really are because they're going to show you who they really are <laughs> through, their, through their actions. And yeah. you know, I I actually just recently um, politely severed ties with someone who projects themselves on social media to just be this like super empowering woman and um you know very positive and nurturing and all this stuff and then uh once I got to know them realized that that is not them (laughs) and they're two different people on who they present themselves to be to the world and then Their actions. And it took me, you know, a good six months to find, to figure that out. But like I said, like they showed me who they were through their actions. And then it doesn't matter what they're portraying on Instagram or TikTok or YouTube.
0: So that leads me to kind of maybe some practical steps. Cause I think for our audience and just generally people using the internet, I think we're in a time where people are starting to suss out like, what is the scam? potential scams? What is real? What are some things like if somebody's following somebody's trajectory and arc for a long time in business, let's say, and they want to get a good sense of, is this person actually genuine? What are some things I should be looking at to pick up on that so that you yeah. can make a good decision about whether this is somebody I should be thinking of aligning myself with?
1: Yeah, I think the consistency so for example, like I've had people who have like clicked, followed me and then messaged me and said, I've been following you for so long. <laughs> oh my gosh. I was wondering if you could do X, Y, and Z. Um, and I'm like, well, I literally just saw that you just started following me 10 hours ago. Um, or you know, people are like, oh my gosh, I love your, your podcast. And I might be like, well, what's your, what's your favorite episode and why? And I'd be like, duh. <laughs> <laughs> the one with the badass basic bitch. Oh, yeah,
0: you know. <laughs> cool.
1: um, I, I think it is to me, it's consistency. And I'm, look, I'm in sales right now. So I'm helping um, a company, a sales company, and they're all about how do we create a connection that is not truly a connection that feels like a connection okay. so we can sell something to you, right? Uh-huh. That's, that's sales. And I think the biggest thing is like finding the consistency points and the touch points within that person. So like, Hey, I saw that you were talking about X, Y, and Z on your podcast. And it really hit home to me. That to me is a connection point versus a yeah. love your podcast, um, <laughs> writing a con- like writing comments on existing content, describing why they like that content instead of like, love the shirt. Um, yeah. so I think it's just looking for that authentic connection. Um, the other thing that I've noticed, and th- so I, uh, I'm actually hosting a conference, um, on Friday, the 25th of February, and it is completely free and it is a content creator conference, but I can't tell you how many times I reached out to people and they're like, it's free but what are you selling
0: mm.
1: like no nothing there's i'm not selling anything but what are your services no i don't charge anything i'm not doing services and i think everyone's kind of on the heels of yes. what? why are you doing this um so i think people are already doing things like that and at the end of the day they're gonna go with the person that they Uh, have attached to their brand and have watched them and had authentic, connected points throughout the relationship.
0: Yeah, I feel that too. And on some ways, it's I see both sides of it. It's like very genuine people that often have to work even harder to be accepted as genuine when they're trying to be that in the beginning. But people are like, this is free. No, nothing's free. Seriously, what is this? (laughs) Because they're so used to being inundated in a direct message or inbox with like, hey, you you know what? You want to make six figures? You want to, this? it's like the same script and they're just literally totally. getting punched in the face with it
1: totally. all the
0: time. So the genuine person comes in and says, hey, I don't want anything from you. I just want, you know, I just, let's just connect. And they're like, I don't think so. Yeah, <laughs> you
1: know? What are you
0: thing? doing actually? You <laughs> know, and I feel like that's a hard thing too, you know?
1: Well, it's true. And here's something that's, that's interesting approach. I had seemingly like two women at this, around the same time, contact me and they had similar products. Now I get a ton of people that message me and say, I love your page. I'd love to work with you. Your content's amazing. Can I send you a free product for blah, blah, blah. And I don't do that unless I actually love the product or have tried it. And you know, just know it. And it, and it's relatable. Um, and so I had two women message me around the same time. And one you could tell was like a totally scripted copy, paste, copy, paste, copy, paste, sending to everyone with a kid. Um, <laughs> and like, I read it and I was like, mm. and then I had another woman almost the same time say, Hey, I saw that I'm, I, I noticed that you don't really have a lot of scrunchies for your daughters when you do their hair. Yeah. Cause I'm, I'm like, I take pictures of them and everything's like, and I just thought maybe they would love these scrunchies that I hand make. Can I send you a couple? I was like, absolutely. Mm. And she sent them to me and I did like a whole, I did a bunch of, and she didn't ask me for anything. Right. I did a bunch of stories about them. I actually invited her into a couple like mentor things that I do. And now we just have this like connection. And whenever I use the scrunchies, I tag her in them because, yeah because I like that feel versus the like, just this copy paste yeah. trying to get people to take your product and, and share it.
0: What's the future of sales and marketing in this environment? Ooh,
1: like... I love this question. And to me, I think when you're selling something, whether it is yourself, like when you, in five years from now, when you go to a job and you submit your resume, Your resume is no longer your resume. Your resume is actually your digital presence, your digital footprint, whether it's your LinkedIn, your Instagram, Mm -hmm. your TikTok, articles about you, blogs, that is, yeah, your resume. And people, they'll, if they look at your actual resume, maybe they'll go directly (laughs) to your handles and see who are you. And I believe that when you're selling yourself for that, then they look at the history there. Now, when yeah. you're selling your service, it's very similar. It is also your authoritative voice digitally. So if I'm selling skincare and you go to all of my brands and content and there's nothing about skincare, yeah. then I'm not going to buy from you. Yeah. But if you have... The pages and the content and the information and the engagement I'm more likely to buy you and I'm not I'm not talking followers okay mm. I go to pages that have a hundred thousand followers and you got five likes and one comment that says like promote on this whatever page I'm not buying from you because I know you probably bought that bought sure. those followers mm-hmm. and you're inauthentic so I think being as authentic as you possibly can and having the community behind you is going to, it's going to land you bigger deals in the future.
0: Yeah. It's just, it's kind of crazy to think about that future because it could be a future where people are just, maybe it's just the cynical nature of me can make it feel like this is who I am. They're like, oh, resume, let's look at your handles and make up this fake world of who you think the person wants you to be. And then they go, this is great. We're going to hire you for this. And maybe they don't realize you're just faking it, the whole thing. And I think with things like deep fakes and all that stuff coming, becoming more and more prominent, it feels like a, a difficult place to decide how much work do you have to do to find out who this person actually is, you know?
1: You know, I was together with someone for 10 years and it still took me 10 years sometimes to, to yeah. I'm still learning who they were
0: Wow!
1: by divorce. Uh, people sometimes can fake. Yeah. Right. And you know, like when I look at my eating disorder, I mean, I faked it and, and hid that from people who were so close to me for 10 years.
0: Yeah, because I was that good
1: at doing that and so I do think though that those people eventually get weeded out yeah and more often than not people aren't like that like I think you're classified as a certain person when you can face that <laughs> well right like you have a mental illness clearly
0: right and- you're I- like a grifter I mean it's crazy yeah. like
1: like there might be something clinically wrong with you. Because uh, I, I knew there so. was when I when I was struggling with my eating disorder and other behaviors was like, I needed help. Um, I think it's a good point. You say an interesting point of like, okay, let's say I'm interviewing for a project manager role and then I look at people and they seemingly are like perfectly aligned with whatever I'm looking for. And then I interview them and they're, they're able to say all those perfect things. And when they get to actually do the job, I'm <laughs> like, are you the same person?
0: <laughs> That's why I think it's harder sometimes today to like, and when I grew up in the 80s and it was a lot easier to me, you know, because you're meeting people. And sometimes I worry in this age, like it's hard, like for people, people spend so much time online. But they spend less time actually meeting in-person people. And obviously with the pandemic and stuff, but we're getting back to a place where you can meet people more yeah. in person. And those two things better match at some point, you know, because we're getting a, a kind of a, especially younger people, they have a hard time talking to people in person. They yeah. like literally struggle with having a personal conversation. It's not a good thing. <laughs>
1: I, I completely agree and I, I feel sad for the younger generation because they're growing up in a world where communicating is hard. Their attention span is a 15 second story <laughs> or a 15 second video filled with uh, action and excitement. Yeah. And then they go to the next go to the next go to the next and they're just getting this fixed from that, but then also they're living in a world uh, online where people can completely alter their hair their their facial features their body structure in a very realistic way. And it it's actually like I look at my little ones and I feel sad for them. And honestly, I'm going to do a really good job as best as I can to, to educate them on what's reality and what's fake. Um, but, <laughs> but, you know, a lot of parents aren't going to do that. No. And so what are we going to get like a bunch of kids and their teens committing suicide because they're not skinny enough or smart enough or um, they think they can't shoot the fifty-yard shot with the basketball every single yeah, time. Yeah, yeah. Understand? Like it's all an illusion. <laughs> oh my
0: god! I, man, there's there's people who like you know they filter themselves online. These filters they have for their face and stuff like that, and they're going into plastic surgeon op- offices and wanting to look like the filter. Yeah, and that's crazy to me. Like. There's, there's this crazy psychology happening. I find it very dangerous. Honestly, it, I really do.
1: It's very dangerous. I met a coworker last night for the first time in person and he gave me the best compliment ever. You know what he said? What he say? said, holy crap, you look just like your video. <laughs> yeah. And that was like, How strange yes, is that.: thank you. I do because that's me.
0: <laughs> oh my gosh.
1: But, you know, w- when people like I I have had, I followed some influencers where we finally got together and I saw them in person and I was just like, hmm? <laughs> like, what, what, what? Like, yeah. not so drastically, but the face tune, the slimming mm. of the bodies. And, and it's so unrealistic and it's not just unhealthy for the for the followers, it's unhealthy for you as a person. Like yeah. free yourself from that, like yeah. embrace who you are and why, why run to change it, you know? Like yeah. the filtering is its so realistic. It's like mind blowing.
0: It is mind blowing. Now you mentioned like kind of what you, th- what you think the future of sales and marketing would be. Is this the same as what you want it to be?
1: No, I, I, I truly believe that. And like, I've been in sales and marketing, especially digitally for a decade. And I've, I've watched it progress. I've watched it change over the time, over the times. Like when I was first starting out, it was all like content, SEO, SEO, algorithm, Google SEO. And so it was like helping a ton of clients there. And then it started turning into like, short factual answers, Um, you know, factoids. That's what we need. That's what people are searching for. And so when you search um, a keyword on Google, now you get these little snippets of content to answer where you can drop down the commonly asked questions and that's what people want. And then it started being like images and then videos. And now it's like social media, reels. And I totally see it morphing. and i don't necessarily want sales to be a digital footprint to mm-hmm. me i'm all about people connecting and i'm like come get to know me but in person i'm yeah. i'm like look at my facial expressions feel my passion through my from my actual being versus what i'm saying on the internet in a video you know yeah I think, uh, I think sales still needs that personal connection, but I, I truly believe that it's going to be very digitally focused in the future.
0: Tell me about like, where you see your, you know, we're both fellow podcasters, where you see podcasting going in the future.
1: Yeah, I think podcasting, you know, it's going to need video edit. Like it's going to need that video component to Mm -hmm. it. I think podcasting because people like hearing stories and I think that's driven in my opinion it feels like it's driven from a like a very childhood warm feeling when your parents would read to you Mm -hmm. um, or your teachers would read to Mm -hmm. you people like that comfort of I'm driving or I'm relaxing and I'm listening to conversations I think people like that so I see podcasting continuing like really strongly um, where I think it's going to differ of awareness of your podcast hmm. is the small snippet videos of teasers that are then shared on social media platforms to get people hooked and wanting more.
0: Hmm. It's interesting. Do you ever think there will be oversaturated the market for podcasts? I mean, there's so many, there's like 2.7 million podcasts now. And where do you think there's a point where it's like, okay, everybody, it feels like everyone has a podcast, like literally, and sometimes for literally no reason. It's like, well, I'm supposed to do this, (laughs) you know, right? You know what I'm saying?
1: It's so true. I was having a conversation with someone the other day and I was like, what's next for you? like, we're thinking about starting a podcast. I'm like, oh, what is it, (laughs) what's it focus on? We're not sure yet. We just know that's next. And I'm like, (laughs) (laughs) okay. Right. Um, you know, I, I think, look, doing a podcast is hard.
0: Yes, like, it is.
1: I, and, I, and I didn't even fully understand how hard it was. And I'm good at things and I'm good at outsourcing. Wow. But it's, I still am like, damn, this is hard. Because at least like for my own experience, when I get on with a guest and I want to tell her story, I need to know her story. And so I'm doing a ton of research. I'm listening to her podcast. I'm watching her on social media. I'm doing a lot of digging so that when we actually have the interview, I'm not reading from questions and having a scripted interview. It's a natural conversation, but I, but I'm leading it Mm -hmm. and that's hard to do. And it's cool to come on and have like natural conversations. I've definitely done that too, um but even finding the guests mm-hmm. that fit your theme, if you have a theme, and then creating the content, even editing it, creating the social media behind it, um, writing the show notes, like doing all of this stuff, like it's hard. And so I think a lot of people start their podcasts and then mm-hmm. they realize the time commitment of yeah. it, and they end up falling out. So Completely. I, do I do think like just like influencers, like so many Instagram accounts, there's a lot of micro influencers that have around 5,000 followers Um, and everyone's on it, but it doesn't mean that they're going to be that million follower group celebrity influencer because it's hard to get there. Yeah, it
0: was crazy. Like just the word follower. You know, like if you think about this, it feels cultish almost. I would say, oh, this this is the Waco followers. This is the Children of God cult on all their followers. And we've almost assigned that to like influencer behavior. I've always had an issue with that. It's like, this just sounds creepy to me.
1: You know? Yeah. My kids, the other day I was, I posted uh, some kind of video and they're like, why do you like... Why is it, why, why do you have these little boxes when you do a, it's called a story, they don't know that, but they're like, yeah. what are these little boxes? I was like, okay, well, each of these boxes are 15 seconds long and I recorded three of them. So it's 45 second message. Like, where does it go? Well, it goes to my page and who watches it? Uh, my followers. And then my, <laughs> my my son was just like, "Yeah, why do people follow you? Do you want them <laughs> to follow you? And I'm just laughing. I was like, I know it says that, but really, what it means is like you're interested in a page and you want to follow the news of that page. And he's like, but they don't actually like follow you, right? Like they're like, funny. So like (laughs) a kid mentality of like, oh, they're creeped out too by this. Yeah,
0: (laughs) it's like they're like, wait a minute, why would they want to just follow you?
1: yeah you know well, and he's like well sometimes I don't like when people follow me like at recess like maybe I don't want people to follow me and I was like well then you can go private yeah but when you're public you don't really get to choose who's, who follows you and he's like that sounds weird yeah
0: <laughs> I like this kid man <laughs> it's like I just like think about this like words have a lot of meaning And the psychology, it's like, I was listening to the sports talk TV show and the guy was like, oh yeah. And I was messaging all my followers. I'm like, dude, this sounds so bad saying it like this. Like, would you say, oh, all these people, my friends, they're my followers. Like, they're like, I'm like, wait a minute, wait a minute. I just feel like we've, we've given this weird power to people saying that. Yeah. And it's, and uh, something about it for me just feels so strange all the time.
1: Yeah, I think you have to look at it at a very particular mindset, like a stoic mindset of if you're public and you are putting out your content, it's not that you're allowing anybody to come and say whatever they want to say on your content because it's still kind of your space, right? You can can block, you have that power, Um, but you also have to be stoic about your approach of what people are saying and messaging you. Because as soon as you give someone power to your emotions and your behaviors and your action, then it doesn't stop. They just keep spiraling and more people and more people. And then all of a sudden you may have Reddit groups about you with thousands of people commenting about whether or not you brushed (laughs) your hair that day. Like it's a very, it's a very weird thing at times. Like
0: really Um, weird.
1: (laughs) It's, it's really, really weird. And I'm sure someone who is like super fascinated about the internet and why people behave the way they do will write some big thesis on why wow. people do that. Um, but here's an interesting thing that, I, that I've noticed. Um, I think that we as a society, especially because of COVID and, and the force of connecting virtually, and and being able to say and do whatever you want and claim freedom of speech, you're public, I can say and do whatever I want. Um, People have gotten into this mindset. And I think that is starting to cross over into real life reality in public situations where Mm. I am noticing a lot more people are inserting themselves into public situations because they think they have the right to because it's happening in the public. Yeah. And here's one great example of it. I was getting my son a vaccine shot Mm -hmm. and my son is terrified of shots.
0: Yeah. My daughter too. (laughs)
1: Looks at the needle and he becomes a one-year-old having a tantrum in the fetal position, screaming and crying like, That's just what it is. Yep. And I, what I felt like I was being very nurturing and mothering and being like, it's okay. And he's a very logical child. And so I tried to apply logic of like, this is why this is important. The needle is sharp. Yes. It's going to hurt. Yes. I'm not going to lie to you. However, we need it because getting this vaccine does this, that, and that. And these are, and like, Sometimes that works, but it was not working this time. He was (laughs) screaming and crying and throwing a tangent. And it's not like I was like, sit in this chair. I'm going to hold you down. You're going to get. I was just like, okay, like, are you sure you don't want it? And I had promised him to pick out any toy he wanted after he got the shot and he was like but I want the toy and I was like I understand you want the toy <laughs> but that is not the deal like you yeah. had you did ha- that was a reward and you're not getting the shot so it's like I'm not just going to get you a toy like but it's okay you don't need to get the shot and I mean the God, the kid was just screaming and this woman just came running at me in the middle of this uh in, like behind this little curtain thing and was just like, why do you do it to your child? Do you hear what you're doing? You're a terrible oh mother. Like, do you even know what that vaccine does? And how can you do this to your child? And I was just so stunned. And I looked at her and I said, Excuse me, lady, like you do not have a right to my situation. Like this child came out of my vagina. I decide right. what he gets and what he doesn't. And I decide how I handle it. And you don't have a right to just insert yourself into my situation. So please back away. And she was just losing it. And I I just think like, okay, that's one thing that happened to me. How often does that happen every day to every single person in all different circumstances and situations. And people just think they can just insert themselves because they can just type whatever they want and press send (laughs) with no consequence.
0: I mean do you, do you like do you feel this way as well yeah I, I do You're- I do feel this way and I I think see for me like I always am I I think about consequences all the time to stuff but I realize that's not a pervasive mentality a lot because my thought process process is always keep my head on a swivel because the one time you think that lady insert someone else that wasn't you right you sound level-headed you know, keep calm, insert someone who is equally as crazy as this Ah. person, and she's going to get two-pieced and knocked out, right, and be like, and that's not right, but the thing is, like, if you come at somebody, and you invade their space, and you meet, you create conflict, if you meet the wrong person, it's going to be bad, and I don't think people think about it, there's a point where somebody is going to sacrifice their common sense to get back at you because you decided that you were going to insert yourself in their business. Always think about that. It was like, you never know that person may be having a horrible day. And you're the thing that puts them over the edge.
1: It's <laughs> so totally you gotta be true. careful
0: about that stuff.
1: <laughs> it's totally true. And like, you know, I think about that and I'm like this, like, I just, to me, that stuff doesn't bother me. I, I can take a very yeah. stoic approach. Now, let's say that she started to touch my child
0: right that's something
1: <laughs> or even come close to him then I probably I, I would have like the adrenaline just would have rushed and I probably wouldn't yeah. have been so level-headed but she did she was nowhere nowhere near my kid yeah but like you, you don't know like she could have run in and tried to grab the needle and like right and break it and in that case it's just like what are you doing um yeah but i totally agree like i'm pretty level-headed and i know a lot of people who are not exactly who are escalators <laughs> I'm, I'm a de-escalator me too escalate me do, too escalate people but imagine two escalators coming together and then all of a sudden the other mom's like get out of my face lady and then they're just and
0: it's a grabbing it's a punching and then you become viral off of somebody because somebody's going to videotape it which is so stupid
1: i find you uh when i'm scrolling in the reddit of uh, public breakouts or uh, breakdowns or whatever they're called
0: right and then all of a sudden you don't recognize how long that's going to tarnish your reputation Mm -hmm. and i mean at least what i I say i think i think about my reputation I mean, when you're emotional, you forget about your reputation completely. So I think this like we're in this age of people that just puffing their chest out all the time and they think, yeah, I'm I'm awesome. I'm the person, you know, I'm going to try this out in real life. Man, you just you come to the wrong person. Your life's going to your life could change forever in the negative way. I just don't think we think that way. We need to teach our children. I teach my 10 year old daughter that all the time. Yeah. But be careful, well, man.
1: And I, I I personally think the reason for that is because we can say and act and do whatever we want with very little real consequence right. on the internet. Because you could go to Reddit right now, you can make up some random name, you can join any Reddit, and then you can say whatever you want. Yeah. And who's going to trace it back to you? And where's the consequence? And yeah you know, eventually you're going to start to get like absorbed into that environment of bashing people, yeah. of doing, saying weird, whatever. And, and then you start to like bring that into your reality <laughs> yeah. where you're not thinking there's any consequences because yeah. there hasn't been any. And right. so like, even if you're like talking about, let's just say, uh that let's just say like COVID vaccines change your your child's DNA you <laughs> can change them from a boy to a girl okay yeah. obviously not true obviously I mean
0: crazy true. stuff people this is not true
1: but let's say like you're in a in a reddit group that's starting to talk about that and they start and they start you know like warping you to believe that yeah. and then you go to your personal page and you like do a, a 15 minute story saying that <laughs> you know it's like all of a sudden it's viral and like everyone knows it and your boss knows it and you're And then it's like, there's consequences to that. Um, And it's a weird, you know, it's just a, it's a weird thing. Now that might be a silly example, but really it could be about anything. And once you put that out there, even if you delete it, someone can download it and you're never going to get that back.
0: That's exactly right. So what's your, maybe this is controversial. I don't know, but I think about this a lot. It's kind of like, what's the line? that should be created in these digital platforms, you know, because then, because if you're, if you say, hey, we need to regulate this more Then a certain sect of people say, you're censoring me. And if you say, if you don't do that, then it's like, well, it's just freedom of speech, do whatever you wanna do, no matter the consequence to people. Where's, yeah. where's the line that we need to have or do we just let it go and just go, well, this is just society, you know,
1: yeah, I, I, I mean, struggle with that. I do struggle with it because I'm the kind of person that's like, what you give out, you get back. Mm -hmm. And I truly believe that. And I can be very sensitive and diplomatic, but still represent what I believe in the, in a, in a, in a very cautious way. I suppose like you listen to some of my podcasts, they can be pretty outspoken and, sure. and talk about certain subjects, but I do it in a way where I'm, I'm very firm in what I believe in and what I'm willing to fight for and what I believe in. Mm. And I'm just not like throwing out whatever willy nilly ideas come in my head. I really yeah. think about these things. Now I don't think <laughs> most people are like that.
0: <laughs> yes. Yes. But,
1: but I think, in terms of like consequences, like some people will never have any, right? Um, and that's that. And some people will. And it's, I, I feel like the world just kind of evens itself out there. I do think that people who like go to Reddit, for example, and bash on influencers and bash on women and men, um, they're so sad inside. Yeah. That that they're kind of already getting their consequence because they're not getting the help they need and they're just spiraling. And yeah. so, you know, it kind of fixes itself.
0: Yeah, but it's interesting you say that because I kind of have a similar mentality uh, because there's just a few things that go on that I'm just like, this is unbelievable how nuts this is. But then you think if somebody is applying this type of extremism, whatever the topic may be, there's a brokenness in that person already.
1: Mm-hmm. They're
0: already suffering. They're just trying to make you believe they're not. Right. right. So this, you have to kind of be okay with that and versus being like, get them, you know, like, so I have to, I kind of apply the same thing, you know?
1: Yeah. I think um, the way I look at it, like I have been in relationships with gaslighters, narcissists, et cetera. And, now i look back at it as there was nothing that i could do or say to help that person because they're actually mentally ill yeah. they have they're suffering from something and so there's no comment that i am going to say there's no story if i complied to everything they wanted me to comply with i still wouldn't fix them yeah and so i i do take that approach here's where my mindset changes is when people go and start to attack, bully, or reach out to brands to try to bring awareness to how awful they think somebody is. And that to me is where I draw the line of that bullying mentality.
0: Yeah.
1: It's like, don't, go back in your hidden little corner in Reddit <laughs> and Reddit what, and whatever blog you're on, yeah. you whine and bitch, however you want over here. But don't bring it here, like where I am, because when you start attacking and commenting and uh, creating accounts about people and trying to out them, like that is not the same, you know. Yeah,
0: exactly. That's true, man. I I tell you what, this is awesome conversation, Brianna. I really appreciate you giving me the time to chat with you, and uh, I mean it's been very enjoyable. Uh, Yes. Thank
1: you so much for having me. I've really enjoyed our chat as well.
0: Yeah. Please uh, let everyone know uh, a little bit about where they can find a little bit about you and what you're up to.
1: Yeah. So you can find my podcast. It's badass basic bitch. Uh, We're on almost every single platform. Uh, My Instagram is mom boss in Austin. And then uh, we also have badass basic bitch on Instagram. So that's where you can find me.
0: Awesome. Brianna, thank you so much for your time.
1: Thank you.